We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. KC Laboratory. Sponsored by Emprise Bank. Another live edition of the KC Laboratory provided by our friends and presented, not provided, uh, by our friends at Emprise Bank. Patrick Mahomes might know a thing or two about successful conversions, especially after last night. Emprise does too. For example, they convert your everyday spending into cash back. No runner pass plays required. Emprise Bank. Member FDIC, our partner in Possible. They have been so wonderful. It has been a great experience working with Emprise Bank. You will not regret that decision if you decide to do business with Emprise Bank. Our partner in Possible. They can be your partner in Possible too. I am excited today to be talking to my pal, Maddie Lane. Find him on Twitter at Chief in Carolina. Buddy, feels good to continue to talk about playoff football today and uh for at least another week i mean i i didn't know that you could potentially end the playoffs before the conference championship round anymore yeah. i don't I, I don't know what that is like Cannot i don't relate. all teams don't all teams play <laughs> at least one more week and at this point in time we might as well be playing for three more weeks of football i don't know so i i don't know what that means i do have to say can't I, i'm upset that that you were talking down about all of the fun Grim Reaper nicknames because you're afraid of an affliction style t-shirt <laughs> coming to a city near you. Like, what? Why are you judging me so aggressively? Look, I think that there's a fine line between the Grim Reaper shtick and and getting a little too crazy. I don't want to see 15 spelled out in barbed wire. God forbid. That would just be disgusting. No, but just I, be in sights. <laughs> I think there's a way. That we can do this. We've just got to find like the happy medium. So people have done a pretty good job with it. And I think I think we're gonna find some good T-shirts that are worthy of the Grim Reaper, the new nickname for the best player in the world, and still will be for the next decade, undisputed best player in the world, Patrick Levon Mahomes. And I know we spent a lot of time last week or, or yeah, last night talking about Mahomes. That's really my, where you like, start. That's, I just, that's, that's where you why, want to start. Look, we have to because maybe someone didn't catch the post game show. I mean, I like I just had a lot of time to simmer on this all day, and what we just got done witnessing, I across the board, but just specifically Mahomes was just it was it was unprecedented, and we talked so much, and I wrote about it, like expecting something special to be surprised, 
to have our expectations exceeded. It's really hard to do that because of how much good has happened in Kansas City over the last four years. But he did it again, Maddie. Uh, he absolutely did. And we, we can get into like the actual play here in a little bit, but I think like you kind of just have to start off with just the, the big picture stuff. And it's the simple fact that he was presented with the challenge of the next, you know, rising up and coming quarterback, Josh Allen, who's coming off of a phenomenal, you know, first game of the playoffs. He's coming off of this record setting performance against the Patriots. He's picking up all the steam. Everyone is really quick to announce him as the next king. You know, now all of a sudden we're having, the, I mean, we did it last year, but now we're doing it again. These debates on if he's better than Patrick Mahomes, are they 1A, 1B? You know, all this stuff's happening. So he's got that coming up in this game. And boy, you knew from that first drive that Patrick Mahomes was going to be on one. Mm -hmm. I was going back and watching a little bit of that game. The long scramble. First of all, the first third down completion on the shovel pass to Jarek McKinnon. Everything ends up being covered. He somehow works around the pocket, gets that ball off. But then the long scramble. And then the touchdown play, you could just knew right then and there that this was going to be a game where you were going to get an A-plus Patrick Mahomes game. And then it got better from there. Then the <laughs> next time he started going, it got better from there. And the next time it started going, that touchdown pass to Byron Pringle, I tweeted it out right then and there. And I fully felt it. If he had a chance with the football, he was not going to lose that game. Zero mm. chance. After he made that throw to Byron Pringle, there was no chance they were going to lose that game. And it came true. But boy, they they almost didn't have a chance. Well, the, the thing is, is like I think about the like the, the first drive of the game. You go, you go, we like I think it was like uh three of five or something for 11 yards passing. And they drove all the way down the field because he used his legs. And you're exactly right, Matty, because he was locked in. He was like his, he, he, the, the entire, the entire game was slower for him than anybody else on the field, the entirety of the game. That's including Josh Allen. He was just processing at an unbelievable rate. He was so locked in, so focused. He could see things before they were happening. The feel in the pocket, the timing on his escape routes, all of that stuff just, was was perfect from jump street i thought yeah the byron pringle touchdown was great but it was a little bit before that for me where i was like this is it's over it was i had tweeted uh-oh buffalo bills it's the quiz the dan quisenberry sidearm wrap around a linebacker throw that was yep. the moment where i said uh-uh it's over like you could just kind of feel like you could kind of feel like something special was about to hit and it just, you're right, it continued throughout the game. And the funny thing is, like, I'm actually writing about this uh, on the on the KCSN Substack. You're going to get a really fun article tomorrow. You should go ahead and subscribe to KCSN Substack. It's like 50 bucks a year. You're going to get access to the Discord server. You're going to get premium articles every single day from us. You're going to get some, there's some special events, giveaways, that kind of stuff. We've got all kinds of cool stuff going on, kcsn.substack.com. Anyways, um, what I'm writing about is, like, I, I this whole game, you know, you've got, you know, you got his legs in the first quarter. You've got the sidearm Dan Quisenberry throw. And then before he went full on Levon, just hero ball and just doing remarkable things, there was this, this middle section of the game where he was just dominant and abusing the Bills short. He was just surgical. He was willing to take what they were giving him, and he was making really sound decisions in the middle of the game. It wasn't necessarily the flashy stuff. The flashy stuff came towards the end of the game. But there's this big stretch of football where he was just he was just dicing him up. He was slicing and dicing him up. And this is the thing that we've been talking about, the concern that we've had. The short to intermediate game for this passing offense has really struggled. Mahomes has had his moments. The offense hasn't really rolled out a lot of effective concepts. 
but it feels like everything kind of came together. And Mahomes was that assassin that we've seen him be for stretches in the past, really doing a good job operating in the short to intermediate. Well, I mean, yeah, he didn't throw a single pass over 20 yards. I thought I thought there was a little bit of a moment in that second quarter where Andy Reid kind of let it loose a little bit. And I, I'm not going to lie. I'm kind of disappointed that they backed off from that. I thought there was a couple, there was a drive there where you got the deeper crosser to, I think it was Tyree Kill. And then they found Travis Kelsey downfield a little bit, you know, 10, 15 yards downfield. It felt like they were starting to loosen up a little bit. And I don't know if Buffalo made a specific adjustment or if the Chiefs just wanted to get back to the quick game, but they kind of started to open it up. Then they pulled it back. I mean, it's hard to complain when everything was working. All the quick stuff was working. And I love kind of just, if you go through the game, seeing how it changed. So you're talking about how the beginning, it was a lot of his legs. Yeah, because the Buffalo Bills were two, showing two safeties and they were coming down and they were bracketing Kelsey. They were bracketing Hill or running cover one robber. But what was happening is that robber safety was driving on Kelsey when he was starting his break. Mm-hmm. That was yeah. leaving so much space for Patrick Mahomes to take off. And he did. And then what the Bills do, they adjust. They said, okay, we're no longer going to let this you know, robber safety go drive to the outside. He's going to stay in the middle of the field or we're just going to play too high. Then you saw Patrick Mahomes. He quit trying to run. Now, all of a sudden, you saw him bouncing around in the pocket. The way he uses his offensive lineman in the pocket, like I, I know we're kind of all over the place right now, but this game was like the pinnacle of it. Like He's figured out how to play with this offensive line right now. And I, this offensive line was good. This new offensive line played really, really good. They gave him a lot of space to work with, but he was doing so much for them. His ability to drop deep in the pocket, but then step forward when he needs to. But as soon as he notices another player is working back across his tackle's face or beating around his guard, he's so quick to then duck back out. He was using those large bodies so well. Because if he goes around Orlando Brown, it takes a defender three, four times as long to get around that big body. And he's just getting so good at using the size of his offensive linemen to make the you know, pass rushers to work around them and buy himself all this extra time. He put on a clinic for just about anything you want to talk about for this. Yeah, I, I love the big play. So I'm disappointed that Chiefs didn't get to push the ball downfield at all, that they didn't really try. And I think that's something they'll have to fix going forward. But I mean, we'll save that for a podcast later in this week. It was just, it was clinical from start to finish from him. Yeah, even some of the, I mean, like I, I think about the McCall Hardman play on the drag that got them into the into the goal in the angle situation. I believe that was in overtime, and you know he's stepping up into the pocket, calm, poise, collected himself from the pocket, and just put a nice little dump over the over the line, uh, just perfectly to McCall Hardman, allow him to run through that. And Waits an extra second, goal. so he runs completely free yeah. too. Like he was open before, then you could see. I think you can even see Mahomes see it, but he takes that one extra slide, that one extra half I a gather. second. Yeah, yeah, and that li- and the linebacker turns. He flips because he's got another assignment, and that lets McColl run completely free. This linebacker now, it's like he just waited that extra second, and you don't know why. With like, there's no like teaching way. There's no way you can teach a guy to say, "Hey, that was open and on time right there, but wait a half a second to throw the football just because." But he did. And it, it was just it was the right play. And that's the kind of stuff that he was doing that's just really hard to wrap your mind around. Well, and then just, you know, the chemistry with Mahomes and Kelsey because you look at, you know, late in the game and, you know, it's it's kind of famous at this point, but like it, it, they they made an adjustment based on the coverage that the Bills showed pre-snap and they kind of said, "Hey, if we're going to if they're going to stay in this coverage, uh, we're going to just kind of run to space. I mean, Kelsey kind of ran the skinniest bang route ever. I mean, it's mostly just an up, it's just an upfield scene with a slightly, a slight press to the outside, you know, just like just a, a head nod. It was just, just like a nod. slow faint. Like I'm leaning a little bit this way, just widening, just a scotch. 
but like that was just a, that was an adjustment but by those two guys on the fly and the chemistry that those two have that's not how they drew it up but that's what they wound up calling or that's what they wound up executing and it was perfect and uh, I mean that throw was even wildly impressive because like it look it's an off script play and Mahomes anticip through with anticipation on that if you go watch the tight view you kind of just see like how ready he is to throw that football hold the middle field safety hold the middle of the field late with his eyes back to Kelsey and throws that thing with anticipation, even though neither of them are entirely sure. I mean, they know that he's running to space. So they kind of just made this little adjustment. Like that's not normal. That is not normal behavior. And the and Chiefs missed a stunt on the play. The, the guy stunted inside Wiley and Clyde Edwards-Elaire, I think it is, both took the outside guy. So there was, I mean, there's pressure coming through the B-gap. I think Mahomes kind of got not hit hard, but got hit enough as he threw the ball that like you have to respect it. Like, Getting hit, throwing with anticipation on a freelance route after looking off, I think it was Matt Milano who was the underneath cover. Just like yeah, who is no slouch, by the way. Uh, he, yeah, but you know he, he's no he's no oh. Travis Kelsey stopper. We gotta we gotta <laughs> jump back to last year's game for that one. Sorry, I don't mean to take shots at Buffalo. But I I did want to ask you, you know, just bigger scheme things. They're not like overall picture things here. What do you make out of people downplaying what the Chiefs did in 13 seconds because the Bills played everything from that final kickoff? till the end so poorly like what do you i mean wh where do you put it like yes the chiefs did great and the bills did bad like how do you break that percentage down man i don't know because i i i think the chiefs played it perfectly i i mean like we can talk about the second play but i think that first initial play was a brilliant play call because of how soft and off the coverage was they just line up in that bunch the there's no you know illegal there's no offensive pass interference because the coverage is so soft so the the ball gets into Tyreek Hill so quickly before those guys are able to block and because that coverage was so soft initially maybe you point the bunch maybe maybe Buffalo should appoint man the bunch maybe you can give them that but honestly I don't really have an issue with what that that I think that was a perfectly timed play call and then like just like I mean we can talk about the leverage of the corner I know that's been a discussion all week or all day you know the the outside corner playing you know, with a wider leverage from a condensed split with a with a backer help along the middle the middle of the field. Like I know some people are complaining about how you know that how soft that leverage was on Travis Kelsey, but he was in a condensed split, and the Chiefs made an adjustment. And it's not. I mean, that's essentially an unscouted look, I guess you could say, because they've never really run that play because it was an adjustment. I mean, I don't know. I I think the Chiefs did a lot to con you know to to take control of their destiny there, honestly, and. You know, you can you can pick out a few things here or there, but I'm not really going to be too beat up about that. I don't. Where did you stand on that? So it's interesting because I I see that Levi Wallace, I believe, is the corner is getting a lot of heat because he was really wide on Kelsey. I mean, he was a good three four yards outside of him from there. And I get it; he's protecting the sideline, but everyone's calling for him to be closer because the corner on the opposite side is closer. But just go back to the play before. That corner on Kelsey, who was isolated again from a condensed split, was in the exact same spot. That's how we got to the freelance situation is that Kelsey said, hey, I just saw how they were playing with this play before. Let's line up like that again because I can beat him what he's doing. So, like, they just showed him that before. So, I don't think you can say, oh, no, that play was bad. Like, you want to get upset that maybe the coaching on that particular, like, that game situation wasn't perfect by the Bills? I'll buy that. I can bite there. I think the Bills thought the game was over. I think the coaching staff was sleepwalking through 13 seconds. I think that's why you didn't get a squib kick despite Tyreek Hill not being in there. That's how come you got the exact same coverage that was so soft back-to-back -back plays. They were just doing everything they could to not let Tyreek Hill outrun their entire secondary again. 
they were just kind of sleepwalking. They thought they had the game in hand. Like, I think they honestly thought the game was over. So I don't know if it's so much that a player did bad. I think the coaching staff could have been a little bit better in the specific situation, but they made the credits. All the chiefs were taking advantage of it. Like they still had to, make these adjustments. They still, we just talked about why that, you know, freelance throw with anticipation because you can't wait. Patrick Mahomes can't wait. That's wasted time. You can't wait for the Travis Kelsey to get open. They still had to go execute. So it's all the chiefs. It's just, I do think the bills got a little sloppy at the end. I think they were a little too excited and I think they thought they had it in the bag. Kent. Well, they did think they had it in the bag. You saw how that you saw how they celebrated in the in you know with 13 seconds left. The way that that team was rallying around Josh Allen with 13 seconds left on the field, hugging and embracing each other, and you saw those emotions. And I think things got real after the Tyree kill play, the little quick hitter. You know, they and they had three timeouts, 13 seconds, three timeouts. I mean, if you're perfect for two plays, you can make things happen, and that's exactly you know what happened. I think it's a credit to the Chiefs. I think that was brilliant play calling. I mean, I, I really, uh, on the first call, like we can talk a little bit. I mean, obviously the second one was more players being players, but that first one I thought was a fantastic drive starter. If they're going to play with that kind of soft leverage, throw two blockers out in front of Tyreek Hill, see how far you can get down the field, see how far you can burst and then call a quick timeout. I mean, the Chiefs did this with two seconds to spare. That's the other thing about this. It's like they did this. They got into field goal position and they didn't really need the entire time. They could have stopped the clock with third, with one second left if they really wanted to. They had two seconds to spare. They somehow got 40 yards down the field like that. And I, one of the things that I love about that too, with, from a poetic perspective, from a narrative perspective, is the three guys that hooked up on that. on that. Patrick Mahomes to Tyreek Hill, Patrick Mahomes to Travis Kelsey. You know, sometimes it's as, you know, it's as simple as that. It's as simple as your best players doing big things for you. And I think that was the narrative for the last, you know, few, you know, last few minutes of the game with Tyreek Hill taking a perfectly thrown dot of a dig by, by, by Patrick Mahomes, uh, who hit him in stride and let him run through that thing and let him burst through that, by the way, going and taking that to the house. And then Travis Kelsey finishing the game out. Uh, sandwiching, you know, that that little 13 second split there. So, I mean, both of those guys coming up big in biggest moments, like that's exactly the kind of things that are going to help you uh, extend your season. And that's exactly what happened. And it's great situational football. I mean, from the players and the coaches, and that's kind of a an odd thing or a wild thing to say with Andy Reid because I think that's been something that he's not always been great at. Time management, situational football can be a little bit all over the place. I mean, we Let's gotta talk, talk about it. We gotta do it. Let's do it. Let's do it because, I mean, like, we're gonna talk about good situational football, but the the flip side is very prevalent throughout this game. And dare I say, a, I'm more frustrated about it than I am about some of the good stuff that happened. There's a cup, man. There's a couple examples. I, I mean, okay, you can't name a better pairing than an Andy Reid offense in a big game, steamrolling a defense. All the momentum, everything's working. As soon as you cross the fifty, trick play for negative yards. You cannot name a better pairing than that. What did happen? They ran a they ran a true reverse to Tyree Kill. So like we're talking, he's getting the ball seven yards behind the line of scrimmage, and the defensive end's immediately blowing it up. Yeah, he is able to get a few, you know, get close to the line of scrimmage. Like why? That wasn't necessary. The Chiefs were firing on all cylinders. Everything. Just don't do it. Just running don't do the ball, it. throwing the ball that drive. Just don't do it. Yeah, right. You could have ran the ball up the middle for one yard and I wouldn't have cared. But trying to do that, it's just like, I get it. That kind of play can break the dams open and everyone's going to say when that works. 
it's awesome and everyone loves it. No, I don't. I don't. I, even if that works, I don't love it because they're gonna. They would have done the same thing had they called a normal play. I don't need them to manufacture 17 yards on a trick play when they already have all the momentum. Just keep rolling with what's working. So don't that. And then I mean the the Tyree kills big punt return. You get the ball back. You can end the game right then and there. A touchdown ends the game. The touchdown puts that game out of reach because the Bills are not going to force you to punt. If you when you get the ball back, you're up two scores. You are 100% winning the game if you score a touchdown there. You run the ball twice on third and one. You take the ball out of Patrick Mahomes' hands. Three straight plays. I like the play call. I like the Blake Bell speed option. I don't think he ran it great. They need to get Blake Bell I, a little bit more option work. I was going to say, I like, well, you can say, like, I, real quick, Blake Bell pitched that ball way too early. He needed to attack the line of scrimmage a little bit more. I hate option to the boundary as a concept, but I think they would have had a better chance of executing that if Blake Bell attacks the line of scrimmage, attacks the end man on the line of scrimmage a little bit more, but he gave that up so quickly that it just, he stood no chance on the edge. Sorry, continue. They they convert that if it's Patrick Mahomes and not Blake Bell running it. I'm sorry. They, <laughs> they, if that's Patrick Mahomes, they convert that. I don't know if he keeps it. I don't know if he pitches it, but I, gu- I guarantee you they convert that if it's Patrick Mahomes. I don't think the Bills would know it's coming as well as they did. They called that play out, but Trey Man Edwards was calling that play out the moment Blake Bell came in. They took away the sneak. They had a linebacker scraping over the top. Even if Blake Bell runs it perfectly, it's going to be tight because there's a second linebacker scraping that's going to go meet the pitch guy as well. So I just... I, I will say this. I will say this, and I understand that this is one thing I will say about why they probably, I mean, they, they've, they've been, they broke tendency earlier with the fullback dive in the short yarded situation. So if you don't know, the Chiefs have been in that offset eye. They've been running the fullback on a little dive across, uh, across the line. It's worked every time. So this week, what do they do? They finally broke that tendency because they've got into that look 10 times this year with 10 different formations, 10 different motions. This time they fake it and they run a little dump off to, to Jarek McKinnon who gets like a nice 15, 20 yard gain. So they've broke some tendency and you saw how committed and how aggressive the bills were at attacking that dive. That's why that play worked. But you saw how, how hell bent they were on taking that away. That might've been a little bit of the same thing with the tendency breaker here. Like that's what they were trying. They saw the aggression the commitment to they've run this play 10 times, 10 out of 10 has been a fullback dive. I wonder if the same kind of logic kind of applied to the Blake bell. They broke tendency it, and it didn't work and they played it well. They, and I think you said they sniffed it out really well, but I like, that's probably the logic because they saw how successful they were early on. With Where was that play on dive. the field though? That one was plus territory. Red, I, but I mean, like, I, was like the I don't 12, think it was 35, I don't, okay. 40. I, don't, I, I don't remember if it was the same situation, but I'll say I like that play one. more. Yeah. I like that play more because you still gave the ball to Patrick Mahomes, though. You still put the ultimate decision and the yeah. play into his hands. He's yeah. still the one that's either deciding to throw the ball, keep it, or make something happen. That option with Blake Bell, as we saw, is Blake Bell's going to run for it or he's got to make the pitch work. And he just didn't do it. I just, I, w- I didn't like taking out of Mahomes' hands. I'm still I don't not, I'm not, I don't, did. I don't either. I, for the record, yeah. I don't either. I just saying like, that's probably some of the process they saw, you know, yeah. how, how so the just, Bills were playing some stuff. Situational football sometimes can get away from Andy, but then you get back to the end of the game and almost everything's perfect all mm-hmm. the way through. So it's like, where do you end up on it now? Because you're looking at the middle of the game and you're like, wow, some of this situational football is not great. These are things that are keeping the Bills alive is because the stuff has not been perfect. It's been a little bit too timid on some fourth down decisions. They're giving the ball back. They're giving up points with field goals. They're taking the ball away from Mahomes. But then you get to that final five minutes. It's just like, well, darn. 
He called the game perfectly from there on out. The plays being picked when they were picked were stressing the Bills in all the right way. So it's just, it was so much good and bad Andy in one go. And you obviously take the good with the bad with him. But just some of that situational stuff, and it's just stuff that you see year after year from Andy Reid. It gets under your nerves a little bit when you're watching. I mean, you don't care now. They won. But like, it's just, it's a little frustrating when you watch that stuff happen year after year. Here's the interesting thing is I believe statistically Andy Reid's one of the um, the most, uh, he, he goes for fourth downs, one of the more aggressive coaches on fourth downs in situations where they're supposed to go for it. And I think back to the fourth and four at the 46, where it's like, why are you taking the ball out of Patrick Mahomes hands? Go get this four yards. You're having a lot of success doing that, you know? So it's just kind of, it's just all over the place. Um, oh, Hey, real quick, just so you know, we're going to, we're going to make sure to remind you, um, if you're listening to this right now, first, you should hit the subscribe button. So you get all this KC sports network content, but we're also doing a, a, a giveaway for AFC championship tickets at Arrowhead. Um, if you go and donate $10 to the KC Sports Network Venmo, you will be entered to win tickets to the ASC Championship game. Again, it's KC Sports Network on Venmo. It's a $10 ticket for an entry. Um, I think we'll be announcing it, I believe, on Wednesday. But this is a chance for you to win some, you know, win some tickets to this big game. This is going to be a big one. Uh, obviously, I, I mean, you'll, we'll get to the predictions later in the week. But all this money is going to be going towards Feed It Forward, which is going to be helping f- uh, food insecurity here in Kansas City. It's something that, um, you know, is really important to all of us here at KC Sports Network. So here's your chance to go jump in uh, and 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 do some good with ten dollars and give yourself a chance to be in Arrowhead to watch the Lamar Hunt trophy raised above the head of Patrick LeVon Mahomes for the third straight year in Arrowhead. Uh, okay, so anything else on offense? I mean, we we spent a lot of time on offense, and I think we should probably spend the majority of the time on offense. So there's probably like a few storylines here or there that you probably are wanting to touch on. I yeah. don't know if there is, so let's go. Yeah, uh, Oh, let's, I'll ask you, big quarterback guy, you like what Patrick Mahomes did. How how do you feel about them not even trying to press the ball downfield? You th- you think that was a good strategy given what the Bills were doing? Because the Bills were taking it away. Like, I don't want to... I don't want to throw anybody off. The Bills were absolutely taking away a lot of the deep stuff, and what the Chiefs were doing was clearly working. Just look at the game, look at the stats. But do you think they should have tried to, not necessarily force, but draw up and manufacture a few more deep shots to stress that defense vertically? We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, 
but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Yeah, I mean, I wish we had the all 22 to say, hey, maybe there was some shots that they were looking to take. They went top down, but uh, and, and Mahomes just worked down. But, um, you know, I, I'm honestly, I think I'm okay with it because I think you just saw, you know, the execution inside the 20 yard line, kind of you know, inside 20 yards. And like, I think that's something we've all been clamoring for. We've been waiting for, hey, when's the, when's the, when are we going to see this eight plus game script? Obviously, like, I would like to see this ball pushed down the field a little bit more. But, I think Mahomes was such a good, such an assassin. I think they created some run through and I think they created some yards after catch opportunities because of the depth that they were playing from back there. Like I think about the Tyree kill dig, obviously that was a little bit more situational football and they were a little bit deeper, but that was a run through Travis Kelsey on the, on that over route 15, 20 yards off of the play action, you know, that created a little bit more run after the catch loss space. Cause there was a lot of you know defense getting depth. So I don't, you know, obviously like, I think they need explosive plays and they're going to have to figure out how to generate some explosive plays. But I think that there's a poison you got to pick here because I think if they do too much, they're getting too much depth down the field. Like you saw, you saw the chiefs make them pay. You saw some of the angles that the chiefs were able to destroy throughout the game. And so there's a, there's a fine line there. And that's a credit to the chiefs for still being able to generate some explosive plays in the past game uh, and, and driving without, without really much resistance for large stretches of the game. I mean, they did a fantastic job and honestly that game, I'm not this. This is I, that game was not fake close. That game was closer than it needed to be. The Chiefs made some errors that possibly lost them the re, the game in in regulation that might have put the game out of reach earlier and could have flipped the game script entirely because they left four points on the board. Harrison Butker. We talk about leaving four points potentially on the board without when they take the ball out of Patrick Mahomes' hands. Just those two situations there. This game's a lot different too. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, and I, the I mean, Chiefs only in the first half was because of uh, the Chiefs tried to get a little cute with uh, with a trick punt return that uh, it's just wildly unlucky. Yeah, one of their possessions started at the one. Yeah, at the one, and then it was followed up by a drop. Like, and that was like that's that's how you got to one of the punts. And like after I think that drop, Andy just said, "Hey, we're not going to make a mistake here." So like just like that was one of the stops that the Bills got. And like besides that, the team didn't doesn't punt again until the second half. So. I think part of it for me is just a little bit of FOMO from watching what the Buffalo Bills were doing, where it was literally just like spamming the same three plays in Madden over and over again. Play, action, shot, play, play, action, shot, play, play, action, shot, play, double post, double post, double post. That's all they were running over and over again. And I mean, they hit them a few times, but you can see the Chiefs didn't need that. The Chiefs didn't need to just call up a play action, get double chips with a running back and a tight end out of the backfield. If it's not there, check it down in the flat. If it's there, heave the ball over the deep safety's head. Like that was what the Bills were doing. I think it's just, it's really exciting to watch. You have a quarterback that can do it. I was, you know, I would like the Chiefs to do that once or twice a game and literally just see if you can get it. And if you can't get it, then you check it down. I don't feel like the Chiefs were ever at the point to where they were calling a shot play that aggressively, but everything was happening on time that it's really, it's hard to be upset that they didn't do that because that does mess with the timing of everything else. So like, I'm not mad about it. It's just, I'm a, I was a little jealous watching J Josh Allen get to go sit back there and heave ball 50 yards down the field over everyone's head. That was fun to watch. I enjoyed it. Yeah, I did too. But this is kind of where the narrative uh, between Patrick LeVon Mahomes and Josh Allen is going to start kicking in a little bit here. And I'm not going to try to go rant Swanson too far, but here's the thing. 
but what Patrick Mahomes did against the Buffalo Bills defense versus what Josh Allen did against the Chiefs B team secondary is different. Mahomes carved that team up the best defense statistically in the NFL. They had zero answers for him. And even when they got them coverage-wise, Mahomes created and Mahomes improvised and Mahomes solved problems on the fly. It was wildly impressive. I am not going to take anything away from Josh Allen at all. But the th a lot of things changed for the Chiefs on the defensive side of the football late in the game when they didn't have Tyron Matthew. Rashad Fenton, I'm not saying he's a world beater, but Mike, he stays on his feet maybe against Gabriel Ooh, Davis. Once, I'm just, at least one of the times. At least one of them. So all I'm saying is the Josh Allen did everything he could have done and he took advantage of the mistakes that the Chiefs made. Patrick Mahomes played at a, at a level that I've never seen against a defense that was far superior than what the Chiefs put out on tape in the second half of that game. Now, I will give the credit, some credit to the Chiefs because I think they had only given up 21 points halfway through the fourth quarter. So like they're, like, I'm not trying to completely diminish what the Chiefs did. It's just that late in the game, the Bills go tempo. The Bills start running down the field without really much of a of a in the way of resistance. What Mahomes did, was able to do, carving them up, just you know, look, they forced they they, they the, the Bills did a fantastic job keeping a lid on that thing, and it didn't matter because Mahomes was content to just dice them up any which way he possibly could, and he did it in every way imaginable except for throwing it over the top, which they refused to let happen. So. That's where, like, some of these narratives that we're going to, you know, we're talking about, oh, Josh Allen outplayed Patrick Mahomes, did he? Because he didn't do it in any statistic whatsoever. The only thing he did was touchdown, was touchdown passes, four versus three. Mahomes got one in the one, one on the ground. Mahomes threw for more yards, threw more accurately, outran him. I'm sorry, but it's just, I don't know. I, there's just, there's some dumb narratives out there that I really oh, yeah. want to fan of, but. I'm with you. I, I think what Mahomes did was more impressive. I especially just in terms from a development and growth perspective, or when everything's not going perfectly in the same way, like you're not getting all these deep shots wide open down the field or just the ability to take them. What Mahomes did is more, you know, something you can rely on differently from game to game. So like I have no qualms about that. I just would have liked to seen it once or twice. That's all I was getting at. We gotta get to defense. Craig's would be so mad at us right now if he were here because we have well, not talked. About normally Craig yeah. normally Craig finds a beautiful transition to a McAdoo's and maybe this is the perfect time to talk about McAdoo's. I don't know. I, I mean, can't I, I got my Craig level uh, like a transition coming up, but if I got to go into it now, I won't relate McAdoo's to wanting more pass rushers because you know, you are in Kansas city area right now, guys, like you are in the KC Metro area. You got a McAdoo's. You did it. You brought one home, but just like a good pass rush in the NFL, you can't just have one. You can't rely on just one go-to pass rusher. You can't rely on just one go-to liquor store with the best selection, the best people working there, getting the best advice. You need more than one. So yeah, right now, there's currently a Mac Noodles coming to Lee Summit this year. It's coming, but you need more than one. You need two. You need three. You need a five, six, seven, eight Mac Noodles in the KC, Missouri area or wherever you may be. Why? Why do you need them? Because they're simply the best. They're the Patrick Mahomes of liquor stores. You want them near you just like you want Patrick Mahomes leading your football team. I know I'm no Craig Stout, but I'm trying my best here, guys. So if you want great. a Mac Doodles near you, 
contact Roger at info at macadoodles.com. That's Roger at info at macadoodles.com. Get in touch with him because I'm telling you, you will, once you've been to this MacDoodles that opens up in Lee Summit, like you won't stop trying to email him to get more around. Like you won't stop. It's just going to keep get coming. It. Yeah, you you step in there, you get it. The the first moment you step into one of those places, just trust me on that. All right, I guess okay. Is that is that the time to talk about the defense? Craig, you know, yeah, Maddie, sure. just I, you know, I, let's, I think we should talk about the the pass rush unprompted. I just think that's probably a good place for us to start for no reason whatsoever. What pass rush? <laughs> I know. All right, so like. I think we should start with Tyron Matthew being gone, actually. Then we'll go to the pass rush because I think they do tie in together just a little bit. And you mentioned it earlier is why I want to talk about it. Tyron Matthew leaving this game on the first drive, it's hard to pinpoint for this exact game how big that was. Like, it's really hard to put that, to quantify that because it's just based on entirely on one game. It's not like we got a half with Tyron Matthew and then a half without. So, like, you can't compare and contrast directly. It's not like the Chiefs were great against the Bills earlier this year. But... I think it played, I mean, one, you saw the miscommunication issues in the secondary. You saw guys running into each other. You saw awful leverage on some of these double moves. You saw a guy get behind Juan Thornhill. You saw them very easily stretching the same safety on one side of the field with nobody else helping. It's like Tyron Matthew not being back there clearly mattered on the back end. To me, where it made a bigger difference, you remove that guy that gets everybody on the same page. You get remove the guy that's getting the front, the middle, the secondary all on the same page. You can't blitz. You can no longer have your same pressure packages. And I wonder if that was just something the Chiefs were going to rely on. They weren't bringing a ton of pressure there at the beginning, but I wonder as the game went on, if they had more up their sleeve and it just got really hard to do it without Tyron Matthew in there to help direct everybody. Because that pass rush needed some help and the blitzes just weren't at a Steve Spagnuolo level, especially against a quarterback that struggles against the blitz. Uh, one other thought I had, I just out of the pass rush while you're sitting there thinking about it. How, how like, Contain rush versus pinning yours back and trying to get after the quarterback. What was your take on that for that game? I think the Bills did a great job trying to establish the run in unique enough ways. And then when they just kept hammering play action on every other pass play, it made it really hard for the defensive ends to pin their ears back. I think that, that absolutely. They were getting pinned by Dawson Knox on the QB sweeps. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, they were. And that's that's the hard part. When you're the Bills and you're lining a guy up as a sniffer and a guy offset of Josh Allen and then they both chip you, the problem is you have to try to read, are you being pinned or are you being chipped? It's You can't just play right off of it. You can't just immediately spin inside and play off the contact of the, trip, uh, the chip because Josh Allen keeps running all these QB sweeps. So it was the, they did a good job. The Bills did a really good job neutralizing some of the defensive end pressure from the Kansas City Chiefs. Yeah, and the reason I asked about some of the rush lanes is like I think about there's like a third and four, or the or maybe it was, there's like a third down, and it seemed like the the Chiefs were really out of their lanes. And the second that they were, Josh Mahomes or Josh Allen took advantage of it. Uh, he stepped up and run because like the I, it might have been Chris Jones, I'm not sure, but like they just seemed like the second that they did, he was really good about taking uh, advantage of it and extending a drive. And so I was just kind of curious if you thought that they were playing a little bit more of a contain rush there at times. Or if it was, just, I mean, like, but I think you did a good job explaining kind of the diversity there. Um, do you, t I, this is my question for you, because like, I think everybody's reveling in what we just saw and rightfully so, but, you know, probably turning the page a little bit in the back of their heads. Um, you know, how much concern do you have about the pass rush that we saw this week going into the game against Joey B? 
more than I think I should. After watching what the Titans did to the Bengals, I felt great going into this this Bills game. I was like, oh boy, this Chiefs defensive line. One, I thought they were going to be better versus the Bills than they were. But then I thought they were going, then I was like, oh, they're going to absolutely crush the Bengals. I don't know. There, there was something just a little off, and I hope it was the game script. I hope we nailed it. I hope the play action, I hope the way the Bills were playing that game, which is something that the Bengals won't do. Like Joe Burrow is very elusive. He's very mobile. He, he's not Josh Allen. You're not worried about Joey B hitting you with the QB sweep and then running over you know, your three tacklers at once. So you can get a little bit more aggressive. I will say my slight bit of concern was I thought this was a perfect Chris Jones game. I don't, I understand wanting to be in your pass rush lanes a little bit on the interior, but there was a few occasions where I don't think that he was at a really a risk of getting out of his rush lane. Josh Allen's not a huge escape up the middle guy. He likes to escape deep because he wants to drift away and trust his arm. He's a Patrick. He plays like Patrick Mahomes in that regard. He wants to go back, and then if he has to escape, he's working out the back. I think you can let your defensive tackles get a little more aggressive. I was kind of disappointed to not see Chris Jones put a little bit more of his stamp on this game, but I just got to cross my fingers and hope that, like you're saying, there was an emphasis on a mush rush. They were playing him like they play Lamar Jackson, trying to condense the pocket rather than trying to just get single pressures home, and that next week against the Bengals, you see them turn loose again and be a little bit more aggressive. Well, I'm going to be a little bit more aggressive right here. If you haven't talked to Hal at Ruback Fine Jewelry and you are looking for an engagement ring, you have made a huge mistake. Fix that immediately. My guy, Hal, at Ruback. He owns it, he runs it, and he is an absolute joy to work with. You've probably heard my buddy Josh Briscoe talk a little bit about him recently because he went and had the kind of experience that I've been trying to tell all of y'all about. You're going to go there. If you set an appointment with him, you're going to get all of your time. You know, you're, you're going to get it devoted. Uh, he's going to devote your, you know, his time to you. And he's going to tell you as little or as much about the ring buying process as you want. He's going to, you know, ed- entertain, you know, ed- educate you as much as he possibly can to help you feel comfortable and confident in the ring buying process and the decision that you're going to make. You're going to get a better ring for a better price than anywhere else in the city. You know, there's gonna there's some big box jewelers that have a lot of commercials running on television that are you know that their their catchphrases are gonna hit you, but they're not necessarily the best for you. If you want a custom jewelry, a uh, custom ring, if you want something that is gonna have some meaning to you, uh, you're gonna be part of the process. You're gonna have some input in actually the design where you're not always gonna get that at some of these bigger places. Go talk to How at Ruback Fine Jewelry. Go to Ruback.co. Set your appointment online. You will not regret it. I promise you. I you know, We've had several people talk to them and no one has regretted it. So don't make that mistake. Promise you, you will not regret it. All right. Let's talk a little bit more on the defensive side of the football. Where do you want to take this next, Maddie? Let's do some of the good stuff. What what was something good that you saw out of the defense? Like, Give me something that if as a Chiefs fan, I'm sitting here going, okay, now the Chiefs have to go stop Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase and company. What is just something that you saw from the defense that you think can translate semi-well to that game? It doesn't have to be one-for-one. One. Just what's something that was stood out to you in a good way? Well, I think the Chiefs might be able to make the Bengals a little bit more one-dimensional because I think some of the stuff you saw in the run game, specifically in some of the situational football, was really good. And this is the time where we need to give credit to a, a Nick Bolton who had an outstanding game. I Some of the stuff that he was doing in the run game changed the football game. And you know we've had our conversations about the value uh, of run defense. Well, it mattered in a big, 
big way this week. I think about his play on Gabriel Davis, you know, resetting the line of scrimmage and forcing somebody or forcing the running back wide of him to tackle for a loss in an area of the field where if that was any, you know, any shorter, the Bills probably are thinking about going for it on fourth down. He changed that entire possession by you know, by, by, um, you know, changing the line of scrimmage on Gabriel Davis, who had a great game outside of getting bought by him. I think about him spilling over the line of scrimmage, uh, and making a play behind the, the line of scrimmage on that little string tackle, you know, a couple of those big situational plays that she did a really good job. I think some of their situational football, uh, and for stretches for enough stretches was actually pretty good. I mean, they were at 21 points halfway through the fourth quarter. And, you know, I think that, you know, the Chiefs did enough to get off the field enough times. And I think that's probably just the case with a guy like Josh Allen. So that's a credit to them, credit to Bolton for what that what he put on tape this week. Um, those are some things that you know. Obviously, like we're gonna have to talk about. The, like I, I don't know if the narratives about the back seven are are gonna be worth anything for this week because of you know we don't know who's playing, who's not, whatever. I'm not sure. Like I think they did some good things still too, by the way. But also, you know, like I. I think you know if the Chiefs just are, if they can make them a little bit more one dimensional, one predictable, like good things are going to happen too. Yeah, and Bolton had the play where he kind of blew up Gabe Davis and then was able to come off and make the tackle. I think there was two more plays on outside runs where he did a good job running the alley. Uh, you had a couple plays where Frank Clark, Melvin Ingram, these defensive ends string out were able to string out some outside runs, and then like I said, Bolton was doing a good job flowing over the top and running through them, which is. Really nice to see him make some plays outside the tackle box, like and that with is, conviction, like seeing yeah, it. Kind of like those yeah. were the things that you liked coming out of college is him getting downhill and and flying down the field with confidence. Right, and we've seen plenty of it this year where he's running through the A gap, the B gap, sitting on run blitzes. But some of these he had to scrape over a gap or two and then get outside the tackle box. And just doing that quick and showing that ability was was really big because it wasn't like he was just getting guys, like I said, right up the middle. He was showing, I don't want to say it was a lot of range, but he was beating guys to the outside, which is going to be pivotal. If you're a guy that's only going to make you know biggest impacts in the run game, you have to be able to do it all over the field. You have to be able to impact the run wherever it is. And making that jump from early in this year where he was mostly just run blitzing, very good versus the run. Don't, I'm not trying to say he wasn't, but it's a lot of run blitzes. It was a lot of slamming into, or slanting into the A or B gaps. So now all of a sudden you're making plays out wide of the tackle outside of a tight end. That's great. That's great progress. And he he by himself got him out of one or two drives that game. That like I said, this play we're talking about here was excellent. And then I mentioned the defensive events. Frank Clark had a couple. Melvin Ingram, I know, had one. I wanted to go to Melvin Ingram next. One defensive lineman this team like really stepped up in this game. One defensive lineman. And it was Melvin Ingram. Of all the not Frank Clark, not Chris Jones, Melvin Ingram, man, every single week. He keeps showing up bigger. He had a couple plays where he just threw Spencer Brown, a big Spencer Brown, to the ground. Just threw him onto the ground. (laughs) Didn't get the sack on this play. Josh Allen actually made a phenomenal play because Turk Wharton went airborne to go after him. But like he just threw him to the ground. Melvin Ingram's addition has been wildly impressive. And I think this game, that game, he was the best defensive lineman for the Chiefs, run and or pass. He was Mm -hmm. the best defensive lineman the Chiefs had out there in this game. Like Getting that guy for, I believe... As Jeff Allen tweeted out for a Netflix subscription or continuing your Netflix subscription is just highway robbery that she's this got such a good deal on him because he's been there. He's been their best defensive lineman in a handful of games, especially this one. Yeah, no, no doubt about it. And, you know, his presence was felt run and pass. I thought, you know, I, I you, you talk about Frank Clark and obviously Melvin Ingram was better than Frank Clark to this week. And I totally agree with you. But like, I don't like I think Frank Clark made a couple big plays, too. 
Um, he was tripping. I think he tripped up Josh Allen on one of those big plays. So like, again, like I think there was like the Chiefs got into a lot of and short situations and like probably a few more than you like, but like, I honestly think they did some decent stuff on some, you know, just, 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 just did enough to slow a few drives down. I think Melvin Ingram sniffed out in about, he completely disrupted that screen pass too. him and Chris Jones uh, yeah. that turned the, the fourth and or third and seven into a fourth and 13 and fourth and 13 almost became a cuss word in Kansas city, but it did it. So that was nice to see at least because like we were very close the way that game was going to, to, to fourth and 13 being the name of the game instead of the 13 seconds game or the grim reaper game. Uh, Hey, by the way, Maddie, do you think do you think Andy Reid actually said Grim that Grim Reaper line to Mahomes? I don't know. <laughs> I haven't I haven't watched enough of the presser to get a read. I I wouldn't. I'm not saying no. I'm definitely not saying no. But I don't know. That doesn't seem like I don't know if that seems like an Andy move. Like that doesn't seem just, like an Andyism. Here, I'm just gonna just okay. Did you see how mad Andy was with 13 seconds left in the game? Did you see them cut to Andy? He was yes. fuming. Okay, so here, so do we think just out of just out of curiosity, do we think that like Mahomes is sitting there like, all right, coach, look, you know, I know we're anticipating off and soft. What do you think about this opening up this 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 little quick hitter series with like a little dump pass to Tyreek? And Andy just goes, "Listen, son, <laughs> things are grim." <laughs> like, do we really honestly think that like Andy's just pivoting and wasting precious moments before this very tense? piece of situational football with your season on the line to go hey pat <laughs> go when it's grim go be the grim reaper like come on I, okay but this this is my only pushback is i don't think andy in that situation thinks there's much he has to tell mahomes either like i feel like you got that far into that game because Mahomes was playing so good like I don't think you're needing to bog him down telling him what has to be done every second of these next couple plays you kind of just have to let him go out there and see what happens I know that's not in Andy's nature and if you told me he said that in the second in the Houston Texans playoff game when they were down 24 nothing no no chance no chance he was wasting time doing it then but in that situation where I just don't know what else you can actually convey maybe it was his version of a pep talk I don't know Mahomes never looked as dejected so I I I, I don't know. I got to shout out one more defensive player, though. We got to do okay. our other, you know, butt slaps and stuff later. But this is a performance that needs more than a butt slap. Charvarius Ward, man. Yeah. Diggs, six targets, three catches for seven yards. His best play was lighting up a fan that were in across the field. <laughs> like, and then I went back and watched a little bit. I've definitely seen all the touchdowns. It's not like the Chiefs were just bracketing Stefan Diggs the entire game either. Like, yeah, there was safety help over the top, and some of it got manipulated that, you know, to where two guys were, you know, bra over under on Diggs because that's the coverage, though, not because they were dedicating a bracket. Charvarius Ward just locked him up. Charvarius Ward followed him around a little bit. Charvarius Ward played a great game. Like he he was phenomenal out there. I think that's huge for his confidence because the Steelers game, like no big deal, whatever. He just wiped that away. But he was coming off of two not great games versus the Bengals and then the Broncos. There was some bad plays in there for contested catches. He went out there against a receiver that's a pretty bad matchup for him. And he literally locked him up. Now the bills weren't forcing the ball to him. I don't think the bills were going out of their way to get anybody the ball besides Gabe Davis working on Mike Hughes, but like credit to Traverius Ward. He needed this. That's a big confidence boost going into a rematch with Jamar chase, who essentially did what Gabe Davis did to just him a couple weeks ago. 
Yeah, no, I thought Charvarius Ward. I was rewatching the game today, and like he was just he was sticking on that dude. I think he I, he was very he seemed very well prepared. I know that sounds kind of weird, but he was really doing a good job anticipating on the vertical vertical plane at times. I thought, um, and it just kind of watched him. He he just seemed to to really be in control. Uh, and I mean, you know, I, I also this is gonna sound like credit to the refs. Because, like, I think they called a really good game, and I don't think that they allowed the game to get out of hand from a physicality standpoint, but they let both teams be physical enough to, you know, I mean, to let things kind of play out a little bit. So, um, that, I mean, that, that's advantage. That's advantage Chiefs with the, with the, you know, with a guy like Ward trying to stick with with a guy like Stephon Diggs, like that definitely helps too. And actually, uh, I believe Nick Jacobs tweeted out the assignments for the game. Um, Bill Vinovich, one of the least uh, officiated or one of the least penalizing um, referee teams in the NFL. That's advantage Chiefs this upcoming week too. I would. That's think. huge. That's huge. But I, we all know after that Bengals Raiders game, there was a officials emergency meeting called the moment that game ended. And those referees were all told nobody should know who you guys are. You guys are done. Like it, the, the change in refereeing and I get it. Oh my. That, that, that unit was especially bad, but Sunday wildcard Sunday all the way through this weekend has been perfect. It has been well done football across the board immense great and no one's crying about it nobody cares just do this all the time like just it, it's not easy it's not an easy job but the concept is easy enough we don't need to know anything about you as refs if anybody's getting to the point where they're so annoyed that they know your name your number where you are on the field you're doing it wrong we don't need to know who you are that's what they've done since that game there i think there was very clearly an emergency meeting and these guys were told like hey we got enough bad press from this one game you're done and like the chiefs got a favorable crew for this Bengals game i agree but i just think the rest of this playoffs is going to be played at this level of physicality a precedent's been set so like i hope they maintain it through the super bowl now yeah it's really good and it's advanced chiefs i also think they're willing to go to go to new york for some calls too, because like the Gabriel Davis catch, I'm pretty sure was a call in from Vegas or from uh, from New York, not Vegas. <laughs> a call in from New York because like they're having a little bit more ability to call some of these plays in a little bit more. I think that Gabriel Davis catch down the sidelines that he, you know, that kind of went. He caught the back half of the football and kind of bobbled it on the way down. It looked like they were about to call that a catch at the be at the beginning of the. Uh, you know, like the beginning of that conversation wound up not being so. Like I, I think yeah, I think this has been a good well refereed it was a it was a well refereed weekend really quick uh how good of a weekend was this for the nfl by the way because i i think all four games ended in a walk-off they did or close to it yeah, no no they did and i think for a viewer these were all great i think the nfl is is definitely wishing that tom brady or Aaron Rodgers got through I, I think the NFL as a whole, from a numbers perspective, wishes one of those got through losing those two plus Josh Allen all in one week. And I get it that you had to lose Mahomes or Allen, but just losing Brady and Rodgers on that NFC side. Like Matt Stafford's awesome for like film junkies. Like we people that follow the football and want to break down every play like Matt Stafford is what he can do. I don't think the general conception of Matt Stafford is near as high as that from everybody else. It's so like the NFC feels like it's like this low ho-hum conference right now now without Rodgers or Brady but still the football was great like I don't think I've ever had anybody that says college football is better go watch this again and then like argue with an animal of some kind like this is definitely better 
the college football. Yeah, a little bit of college football has been ruined for me because of the NFL and because of Patrick Mahomes. Uh, I will say this. good. The NFL probably would love the Los Angeles Rams to host a Super Bowl in Los Angeles where there will still probably be more Chiefs fans because the Los Angeles Rams really don't have very many fans. Um, so, uh, yeah, Ooh, I just, that's a fun, that's fun. Who would have more fans at the Super Bowl? The Rams, or the 49ers Niners. I don't, I don't think you're wrong. I don't think there really is Rams or chargers fans. I mean, I'm <laughs> I think just, it's the same 112 people that are just fans of both. I've heard the idea. I've heard the idea of a chargers fan before. Like I know that there are chargers sites that talk about the chargers, but I don't, I, I've never, I, I think I've seen one Chargers fan. I think the one Chargers fan was the guy that yelled at Mahomes on the, on the golf course. I think that might be it. Uh, I, <laughs> stickers, slaps, and spirits time. Um, I guess I, I don't, I'm stickers. I'm going to give one to Jaron Reed. I think he had some really big oh. moments during that game. He played through some injury, came back late with the sack credit to him uh for you know finishing the game strong and finishing the game through injury so i will give a helmet sticker to jaron reed i am gonna give a butt slap to clyde Redder. no no we're gonna go with mccall hardman we're gonna give a butt slap to mccall hardman not a lot of volume Ooh. but he is making a lot of his touches as of late i don't i'm not i don't want to get into value of draft picks anymore who cares he's on the team but you get a guy that you're only getting the ball two or three times a game but he's maximizing it like he has been these last few weeks you get that kind of weapon out there to make some of the plays he has i think that's actually been really big for the chiefs he's able to do some stuff for them when they don't have to rely entirely on kelsey or hill to create and i'll stand in for craig stout and we're gonna give Three whole bottles of vodka because we're going to one up them, and the guy might need it coming back from injury. Clyde Odilaire, what a game for him mm -hmm. coming back from an injury. He went out there, he ran hard, he made guys miss. I, I'm sure Buffalo Bills fans were having nightmares of last year's regular season game where he just ran all over them. Like he looked good, he looked fresh, he looked explosive for him. Like it was a good performance by him coming off an injury, and I think he gave the Chiefs a little extra juice that I don't know if they needed it, but was very helpful in the middle of that game. Yeah, he was he was awesome. He was, there was, I mean, there's, there's like, and there's more storylines that we probably didn't cover because they're either just shadowed by Mahomes or, I mean, there's, there's a lot and the Chiefs are still playing for the ASC championship next week. So like, there's just a lot running through people's minds, but I think you picked two great players and I can't wait to, uh, to talk about Chiefs Bengals and the ASC championship later this week. Looking forward to it. A lot of great stuff coming up on KC Sports Network. And we are going to be in Vegas for the AFC Championship game together. Cannot wait. A lot of good stuff happening. Make sure you hit the subscribe button on KC Sports Network. You can stay up to date with everything we're up to. We will catch you later. Protect your dream home with American Family Insurance. And you can weather any storm. You'll also save up to 25% by bundling home, auto, and life. American Family Insurance. Get a quote. Find an agent at AmFam.com. Products not available in every state. Discounts may not apply to all coverages on an auto or home policy. Discounts do not apply to life insurance policies. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating companies, American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin.